probably should think of an intro today. Welcome to Ford Ram and Goal. We've had a couple champions crowned in the last couple of weeks, and we got football coming up quick on us. So grab a glass, put the game on mute, and take a listen. Let's do this. Welcome to Ford Ram and Goal. My name's Kurt, and I got my boy Dick here. What's up, Drammers? Thanks for listening to us today. Today, we're going to talk about a couple of things. We've got a champion in the NBA. We've got a champion in the NHL. Archie Manning has decided where he's going to play ball the next couple of years, allegedly. And then we're going to start our divisional preview for the NFL because it's coming up and it's coming quick. I feel like everybody's already crowned Archie Manning a national championship. Well, if you remember, uh, well, you know what? We'll get into that later. But beer, beer. You know what that means? That's our under 100 proof tasting night where we have to take a shot of something that's 100 or more before we start. So I didn't get that memo. Well, you got it now. So join me as we get ready to indulge into sports whiskey with a nice shot. Did you already take a shot? I did. What'd you take a shot of? What we're drinking. That's not over 100. Doesn't count. Yeah, but I took like a two-ounce shot. Okay, that'll count. I'll take my early times right here. Cheers, mate. Down the hatch. Oh, that's a fancy-looking shot glass you got there, Kurt. You, oh, hey. Yes, it is. I'll tell you about that in a little bit. Uh, Bear down. Oh, now I am ready to go. Uh, While I take a breath from this hot and spicy early times 100. Well, you know what I mean. While I take a break from that, you give them the stuff. All right. Thanks for that, Kurt. So, Drammers, as we always do, start off the show, give you a little bit about what we're talking about. But we want to remind you, of course, to make sure that you're liking, subscribing, all that fun stuff of on the social medias, you know, loving our posts, all that crap. Make sure you're following us on all the streaming apps, including Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Audible, CastBox, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Stitcher, whatever weird thing you're listening to us on right now, hit that like, subscribe button, so that whenever we release a new episode, you get notified. And more importantly, make sure you're telling your friends about us so we can continue to grow the show. Uh, Kurt, I shot you some uh, metrics recently about how many downloads we had within the first week, I think, of that episode 47 collab we did with the uh, the Bourbon Matters guys. I think we already had 15 uh, downloads within the first couple of days, so I thought it was a pretty cool event, a little milestone for us. Um, and as always, make sure that you're sending us emails whenever you have questions for us at uh, fortramandgoal at gmail.com. And you're following us on Instagram. That's our best way to follow us. It's at 4THDRAM. It's at fortram. So, Kurt, I think we can get into what we're drinking tonight. Sounds good to me. If you don't want to shoot the shit beforehand. All right. Get straight to business. I like your style. Uh, no, we'll talk about what we're drinking. Then we'll shoot the shit. All right. Sounds good. We are drinking... As we came to a decision today that we were going to continue to try to drink the same bottles and critique them as a team. Very old Barton. I know that it is 86 proof. I know that I grabbed it from the bottom shelf for $13. Uh, And I know that you put some fancy information on it that you're about to go over with us. Yeah, so not really fancy information, but yeah, a little few basics here. This is made by Sazerac right? At the Barton Distillery. So that was a recent acquisition that Sazerac also bought what you took a shot of with the early times bottle and bond. 
And this is one of their four to six year offerings. Um, there's no age statement on it, but we know that there's various, there's an 86, a 90, a hundred proof. I think there's probably a little bit higher proof, very old Barton. This is the 86 low proof version, the one that you can pick up for 13 bucks. And frankly, I've never had it before. Have you had it? You know, I have not had it. I have heard it, but it's one of those, Barton is one of those names in the whiskey world now that you, like, you can get it confused with a hundred different things. Everything's Barton. Barton Town, Barton this, Barton that. Barton. Yeah, Bart Simpson. I mean, it's all, it all kind of blur. So when you're like very old Barton, several bottles came to mind. Like, I wasn't sure which one it was, uh, but yeah. I'm going to have it today. So we were going to do TX blended, but you threw a curveball at me. And then when you said like 13 bucks, I was like, well, shit, fuck. That's our audience. Let's go for that. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. 13 bucks. It's going to have to be a really shitty whiskey for not to get a good grade at $13. We'll see if it does that or not. We shall, we shall. But before we get into the actual show tonight, I want to kind of kick around a few things. It's been a while since we've had a chance to be one-on-one. We have that great recording and release of both episode 47. Reunited and it feels so good. Indeed, indeed. And you just took a great vacation with the family. And I know you sauntered on over to Tucson, Arizona. We both have family roots there uh, from our past. So you know, man, I, I got to ask, you spent, what, four days there? What was the, the highlight of the trip? The highlight was the fact that we actually got on our plane, took off, landed, came back all on time uh, with everything I've seen on the news. That was actually my biggest fear. So here's a suggestion. Pick some place that's not like a major metropolitan area and you'll be fine. Like I don't think there was... There was, I don't think there was a big rush. Yeah, that's, but yeah, when you leave the Tucson airport to come back to Houston. Um, no, man, it was, there's too many highlights to talk about. It went about as good as a first family vacation, you know, kids first time on a plane, you know, uh, took some extra family with us, sisters, and you know, so forth. Um, it was awesome. We had a blast. The food, the food, the food. I never thought that I would have you know, Mexican food that would compete with the Valley. And this telling you, man been better. I'm telling and, you, I've been telling you that too. Right. But, you know, I was thinking Southwest style, black beans, maybe like mole uh, stuff like that. No, this was straight up like tacos ref- and fucking, it was oh. refried beans, like a bunch of grease and cheese in there. That's like rollies in Tucson. We went two nights in a row because it was so good the first time. I had a media burger that could have been the best burger I've ever had. And I know people are like, you said Mexican. It's media. It's, it counts. Uh, dude, so good. Um, resort. Laos Ventana Resort. Beautiful up in the mountains. What's it, I mean, that whole place is like just mountains. Great place to stay. Um, and then one of the cool things that I put on the Instagram was the stop at the Delbach Distillery. Just like I showed up late to the liquor store, I didn't know that it closed at like two. So it was like 1.30 and I was able to get there and they were friendly. They had a busy night going on. They had a big event. And so they really didn't have to, but they they let me come in. The bartender, forgive me that I don't remember your name, but 
great quality, friendly service, gave me the history of the distillery, gave me some samples, gave me some glassware that I, I, I mean, I did have to purchase, but I'm glad I did because I will be using it. It's some neat stuff. It's the Glen with their cactus logo. You can see on our Instagram. Uh, but no, man, throw in a beautiful, you know, college campus that, like I said, I'm a sucker for taking in a college campus, going to the bookstore, the whole hoorah-rah just because of the, you know, everything involved or, you know, my good times at Texas Tech and then your your good times at Texas A&M. You know how it is. A college campus is a different place, and, and they certainly got a good one there. Yeah, for sure. I went to U of A campus like four or five years ago um, on a family trip as well. Um, and I really was amazed of like how integrated it is with downtown because what you don't know so much about like Tucson is into like 60s, 70s, 80s, that downtown area got like kind of rough. Um, and then like they kind of regentrified it. Like just south of uh, U of A, there's Tucson High, which like in the 80s and 90s was was like not the high school to go to, but they've actually redone it. They brought in like a bunch of like uh, arts and programs and stuff like that. And it's actually one of the top high schools in uh, Tucson. So um, I was really impressed of how, how well they've really turned around that downtown area. No, it's great. Yeah, and we knocked out everything. Nothing was left. Desert Museum drove by Old Tucson, which was still closed because I guess it just never bounced back from COVID. Yeah. Uh, got EGs. Man, even even did you the get day I got there, or did you get? I saw your sister posted something about the the. Uh, she got a. Uh, I got a grinder. A grinder. Yes, thank you. My, my son did get a mango. A mango EG, All and right. I was very. It was late. Let's not. It was kind of sketchy. Like the menu, the lights were not working. Oh yeah, that's all very, very dark parking lot. But I was able to see Grinder, and I was able to get him one. You're like, oh, I know but, that app. But oh, uh, but uh, I was jealous of his little mango Slurpee thing. And I even said Slurpee, and I was like, I don't know what the hell they're called because I can't see it's the menu. The there you go. Well, he got one of those, and it was delicious and refreshing. Uh, but yeah, no, totally was was a great family trip and there are plenty of pictures with the hot sun that we took. So thanks to you for all the advice. You had more Tucson experience than me, but now we're going to probably turn it into a summer yearly thing. Now, you know, we're picking and we want to kind of keep it like little spots like that. Maybe not New York, maybe not Boston, but we're thinking maybe like Charleston next year or possibly a San Diego. Yeah, man. Well, we're doing San Diego this year and my wife and I just started kicking around the idea of maybe doing like a Portland, Salem, Eugene, kind of like northern um, Lee windward side of the uh, the mountains up there, the Olympia. So um, we'll see, man. I kind of like that idea, too. It's cheaper. Um, you can do more. And honestly, it's less touristy. So it makes it kind of a little more enjoyable. Absolutely. Uh, you anything, anything going on? I know we had that Chicago recording. Shout out to those guys. Uh, yeah, for had sure. A great, great couple of weeks of collaborating with the guys at the Bourbon Matters. Anything going on in your world other than the Peloton? Man, the Peloton life for sure. Trying to stay in, uh, and keep my dad bought in shape. Um, now, going to go see the parents this weekend, 4th of July. You know, poppy firecrackers will be fun. Um, talk to uh, uh, Roberto PDL up at uh, uh, Bourbon Matters uh, via you know Instagram messaging. He's probably going to come down, I think, late July here to San Antonio. So I might grab a couple beers with him or something. That'd be cool. And yeah, dude, other than that, I'm just kind of waiting for the big summer trips to New York City with my wife. And then we're going to San Diego in August. So it's kind of like put it on cruise control, save a little money. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and, and see what we can do until then. Now, how did you come across that barbecue place you mentioned? Is that on the to-do list soon or was that just something you saw? 
Oh, you mean like uh, I think it's called Louis Mullers or Mueller's one or the other? No, it's in uh, Tyler or Taylor. Sorry, um, I just saw it on Facebook. Someone popped it up on one of those Texas barbecue sick burner Facebook uh, groups. So I don't know, man. It looked like a pretty got pretty good reviews. Nice. I will be making a barbecue trip soon. I have not, I, I've lived in the Houston area going on two years now, and I have not made a trip over to the Truth Barbecue yet. And they did a video on Texas Eats. I guess it was a Houston episode. Go figure. Whoo! Yeah, I'll be making that trip soon. So we could talk about food forever, of course, as you know. But I think it's about time we sip on these glasses and get into our second dram headlines, my man. Let's do it, man. You got anything top of mind? I mean, obviously you called out. We've got a couple newly crowned champions in the NBA as well, the NHL. Uh, which one do you want to talk about first? I'll talk NHL first. I'll keep that one short and sweet. Uh, I watched, I guess this was Sunday when the Avs won. I watched the Avs Detroit Red Wings documentary about their rivalry called Unrivaled. I didn't Easily. even know there was a documentary. Oh, ESPN Plus, easily one of the best sports documentaries I've seen in recently. It took me back. You know, I forgot that for a while there, the NHL was up there with the NBA for me in like the 90s when the Red Wings Avalanche had their rivalry going on. The Stars had that little nice little run. Peter Forsberg was my favorite player. And that even if you don't like hockey, just to see the way that fight broke out in 97 and the way that they just beat the shit out of each other you'll appreciate that documentary. And then all the little things that tied into what made the rivalry, you know, just super intense, like police escort intense. This makes the malice in the palace. This makes, you know, all these little basketball scuffles and things like that. Nothing. Um, but yeah, like, no, it was- that's like the NHL of your though. Like that is not the NHL that you see today. You do not and see they, fights. They- they mention that they do talk about that in the documentary, how that's not going to happen again. Like that was a time to be alive in the NHL. It was, it was better than amateur bar- boxing, dude. Like I, I still enjoyed that. And I think we've talked about on the show in the past, like, you know, being from Corpus Christi, going to see the ice race play um, like those minor league hockey games. I think a lot of people have those memories, you know, across America, probably up North a lot, even just not even, you know, pick up ice, uh, ice hockey games. Like, fighting's part of the culture and that's something i i think i think the nhl would obviously have a lot more legal problems but probably have a lot more uh fans if they still yeah i know they couldn't yeah but they couldn't go back to these days like you couldn't go back to the you know there was an altercation where there was an assault filed for i can't even remember i know Ray Bork was on the Bruins at the time. I can't remember the guy who did it, who just like literally whacked. The it was high sick, right? From behind. Yeah. Yeah. Out cold assault. So they can't go back to then, but it's definitely cool times to reminisce on. Mystery Alaska, very underrated sports movie. I will say that. But it was cool seeing the abs win, changed it up, wasn't a three peat from Tampa Bay. Cool things. I, w- I wish it had been the New York Rangers, but still. Uh, so into the championship, which we can go more in depth on. The Warriors end up beating the Celtics four games to two. It was a very competitive series there at the beginning. Uh, Celtics were up, I believe, two to one at one point, and then it just kind of spiraled for them. 
Uh, Tatum really didn't show up. He really had a downfall there on the second part of it. Could have been exhausted, played more minutes than anybody else. Uh, but the Warriors ended up handling it pretty easily, I think. So, any thoughts on it? Anything that you, you know, they're saying already one more is a dynasty. We could literally talk about the Warriors it's four forever. and seven years. I mean, how is it not a dynasty already? Because there's always that thing like that goes back to like even the Patriots. If you don't do three in a row, so like you can throw the word dynasty, but you can compare these Warriors to the Bulls that did three in a row twice. No, I mean, I don't think you can, but I mean, you're talking about 15, 17, 18. So you had back to backs, right? And you only had one, it was three and four years, right? That's pretty fucking good. Even modern day dynasty. I mean, it's a modern day dynasty. Yeah. I don't, I think that three in a row was key because, like, that's the thing the Spurs always got knocked on that it was five, but it was over the span of like 15 years. That's different. That's why I'm saying four and seven years. You've won more than 50% of the championship games played in the last eight years or seven years. Did the Patriots do that at one point? Uh, did the Patriots ever go back to back? They went back to back, I think. I don't, but that was, that's the thing. That's the hurdle. It's been hot. Nobody's done a three peat since the Lakers of Kobe and Shaq. Now that was a dynasty because it was those three in a row. So the, I guess that my question is turning into, does do you have to have three in a row to be a dynasty? I don't think you have to have three in a row. I think you'd have to have, to have like three in four or five years. I think in a span, you need to win more than 50%. So like looking at the Patriots, they had uh, 2002, four, five, and then 15, 17, 19. So in the course of three years, they won 2005. They won four, three out of four. Right. And the two oh two to 05 and then 15, 17, 19, you won three in six years. So I, I think, yeah, you're looking at like different eras of dynasty, but I also go back to players and coaches. Um, if you switch out your entire roster and your entire coaching staff and you win a back-to-back championship, I'm going to argue with you whether or not that's actual dynasty. Right. It sounds like it's two different eras of teams. You know, it's like, if the Spurs would have won after getting after Duncan retiring and, and Manu and, and um, Parker retiring, Parker. yeah, then then it, it doesn't even matter if they would have won back to back. That's not the dynasty because that's a whole different set of players, a whole different crew. Um, okay, I think it's a little deeper than just number of championships and number of years. I like that. So my big takeaway, and just say if you agree with me, Clay Thompson's rebound. And the way he came back from his injuries. Phenomenal. Amazing. One of the best comebacks in sports. Agree? Yeah, totally, man. I mean, you saw him embrace the uh, with the personal or the trainer at the end of it who like helped him rehab through both of his injuries. Yeah, dude, it's, it's an amazing comeback. And see, I don't think that got enough attention. I, I think it got some. But the fact that in a day and age where, you know, the Warriors would not get rid of one of those guys. But. You got to give him some kudos for not giving up on him, getting rid of him. I would have got rid of him. You know, yeah, like not saying because some team would have said, okay, we'll get him when he's back. They they kept him. They gave him his time. He came back. It paid off and he gave a performance, you know, that, you know, just I don't think he got enough attention. I don't think he got the attention it should have. I think he should have got more. Second thing. So many storylines, though. I mean, right. 
Steph Curry, Mount Rushmore basketball conversation now? Yeah, I, I think it depends how many heads you want to put on the Mount Rushmore. But I mean, he's been on the shooting Mount Rushmore for a while. You for know, sure. Ray, but I mean, Reggie Miller, but I, does he go on all time now? I don't know, man. It's it's hard because I mean, how many faces do you put on Mount Rushmore? There's four. So five? four or just, five. Let's just say there's five. Let's just say okay. there's five on basketball, right? Matt? Um, you've got MJ, Kobe. Okay. You have to have Kobe. Okay. You will. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who else you got? Larry Bird? Mm, Magic. Magic. Okay. But Larry Bird Magic, I mean, that's a toss-up between two of them. But And see, the one that I say that there is nobody who has been like him since, and there is nobody. Shaquille O'Neal was unstoppable. Agreed. Unstoppable. Somebody the other day was like, oh, Dikembe? Nope. No. Just squashed the shit out of him in the finals. Mm -hmm. Like, there is nobody that has been like Shaq before or since, and he's the one that when you're talking about just there's no other MJ. There's no, no other Shaq. No I agree. Other Shaq. Well, and the no beautiful thing Shaq. about Shaq is like Shaq's even become more of a staple because he's not just in the player Mount Rushmore. He's probably in one of the announcer Mount Rushmores too. Because he's just so entertaining. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's he's yeah. he's more likable as an announcer than he was a player, and we all loved him as a player. Nobody didn't like Shaq. So yeah. I, I think I think Rushmore's full. I mean, who are you gonna knock off of that? I don't know. The movie Steel is pretty rough to watch, but oh, dude, um, I remember that so fondly. <laughs> uh, okay, Steve Kerr, does he start getting talked yeah, sure. about the Rushmore of coaches? Because I think that one's an easy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's Who are you gonna knock Red off? Arbach, Phil, Pat Riley, and then I think Pop. Pop has to be on it. I'm gonna go Palmer. I don't think Kerr's you know, that far off. I think he's maybe like the fifth one. I don't. And this is where I'll argue, though, like when you start talking about like Mount Rushmore, it's not just what you did, but it's who you trained to do what they did. Right. So pop is a cur is a pop off that tree. Right. And you're going to have these with these longer coaches that have these more, you know, his was he off the pop tree or was he off the Phil Jackson tree? He's off the pop. Or is it he's both? He played possibly. Yeah, maybe he's a stepchild. Same amount of championships with the Bulls. Those are two pretty solid guys to learn with. Yeah, but he played played with Pop later in his career. So I mean, like, yeah. yeah. Mark Jackson, you know, it's funny, people tend to forget he was the one that kind of started the Warriors ball rolling. Now, was Steve Kerr the difference maker, or was it these players growing up? We'll never know. Great Steve Kerr. But yeah, U of A guy. Um Okay, so I mean, you may put in some like you think about like you got Steve Kerr, um, you've got what's his name? Sean That's Elliott. It? Sean Elliott. No, I wasn't. I was going to get there in a second, but Sean Elliott. Um, and then with Gordon, right? Uh, he's oh, for the Magic. The U of A. Oh, all right. If you're talking about like players throughout time, you can. Yeah. Mike Bibby. You know, uh, Sean Elliott. There's always been I like forgot about Mike Bibby. Bushler. There's always been random guys who went to the U of A that you tend to forget. In recent years, the studs haven't necessarily Iguodala. Iguodala went to the U of A, didn't he? I think he did. Um, as our producers hop on that, but anyway, I, I the third thing from the whole finals run, I've become a Draymond fan more than I have. You know, it's a love hate relationship. I've we we've talked we've talked about it more. It's turned into love. You're giving me the thumbs up. I'm thinking Andre Iguodala did go to the University of Arizona. Producer confirmed, yes. 
Yes, I didn't. I had no doubts whatsoever in that. Um, but Jason Gardner, one of my favorite players from the University of Arizona, tiny guy, didn't make it in the pros. Jason Terry, holy crap, I can go on and on. Um, anyway, I've said enough about Draymond Green in the last couple of weeks. Now we start looking at the future. Do they repeat? I mean, who'd they lose? That's the thing. Nobody. Wiggins and Wiggins is good. Yeah, uh, but they've got you. Okay, so. Would you take Wiggins or would you actually take a, uh, a healthy uh, Thompson? Well, they're, they're both on the team. There's nothing to... I understand, but if Wiggins is gone... Would I take one or the other? Yeah. Oh, it, damn, that is a good question. Clay's only going to get healthier. About, yeah, but Wiggins has done some growing up and turned into a beast. Sure, in but can you replace him? Yeah, because the core is still there. So I don't know how that question flipped, but okay, I see what you're saying. I, like, I don't think I think it's hard to replace Clay. Is what I'm getting at. Okay, yeah. Um, I said that if they won this one, I was terrified because there's no reason to not believe that they win next year. And part of me thinks it's boring basketball. I'd like to see the change up, but you know, hey, whatever. Do the team does the team like a late the Lakers? Can the Lakers rebound from that shit show they had this year? They Russell Westbrook is coming back, which I don't know what that means. Is it really just a healthy Anthony Davis that turns them into a contender? I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know, man. Like it, it as bad as they played this year, it's hard to see them playing well. And I think you've just got so many superstars on the team that it's a perfect storm of. No, they don't have superstars. They don't have an identity. You know, I mean, they don't know who they are. And I'll give this about the Warriors is they know who they are. And they've got superstars, but they're within the team superstars. You know, it's like when the Spurs were great, like Ginobili and a lot of like San Antonio people, Texas people's eyes is the best sixth man, the sixth man of all team is the best sixth man of all time. That's like our perspective, but he was a San Antonio Spur superstar, right? And I think if you look at like the Warriors, they have these really key guys that are close to their team perform really well, but they would they be superstars all by themselves and on a different team? No, but Russell Westbrook was, you know. Um, I, uh, um, it's, I, it's just hard because until LeBron has the Manning season, you know, when Peyton at the end like had that final year and you knew that was it to the point where Osweiler was coming in there until he has a season, like they suck this year, but he's still LeBron until he has one of those. It's hard to kind of, he's kind of like, and this is a YouTube video that I saw years ago and it was still one of my favorite ones, but LeBron's like a lion just kind of waiting as everyone's picking at him. Can he pounce again, man? I don't, you don't know. Like you don't know with him. Is he, is he, out of gas, can he still carry that team? You know, Russell Westbrook was Russell Westbrook has to carry his weight, and he didn't. So. I'm going to throw a curveball at you. I was watching uh, PTI this morning, and they asked a very, very good question. And we t- I don't want to steal material, but it was such a good question because the answer. First off, it wasn't Stephen A. Smith. It was Mad Dog was there, but it was a kind of a guest crew. And they said the team that had the most pressure in all of sports to win. And they brought up the Nets, the Yankees. Mad Dog brought up the Yankees, which he's a Yankee fan. I understand that. He kind of did this whole thing where people don't care about the Nets, and I, I agree. 
And then uh, whoever the female broadcaster was, she said the Buccaneers because of everything going on with Brady. Who do you think it is? Has the most pressure to win this year? Yeah. Denver. Broncos? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Just because of Russell? Just because Russell being there. Like it, it's that it's that Peyton move. Everybody's gonna expect another Peyton Manning, you know, come in, put all the pieces together and win the Super Bowl kind of like situation. Um and maybe and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Maybe I'm stealing material from later in the show, but um he everything else is already established, right? And so when you say pressure, I'm not thinking like like, oh, out, you know, continuation pressure. Like Brady had it two years ago. He answered it, right? He had it a little bit last year, but he won the Super Bowl. Like, fuck it at that point. I mean, the Yankees, they always have a sustainability. You build a team around that pressure. Yeah. But this is like new pressure. This okay. is like, oh, we did it once. We should be able to do it again. It, and honestly, maybe on John Elway more than anybody else. Okay, I like that. Uh, and, and Mad Dog did say that, you know, about Tampa Bay. They were like, if Tampa Bay goes, you know, what is it? This year they can be, what, seven and ten? Um. No, it would wait. Would it be seven and ten or six and ten? I get thrown off with the drinking. They can seventeen, seventeen ones. Okay, uh, if they go seven and ten, does Brady, you know, does that still not make him the greatest quarterback of all time? So that was a good point. I, but Denver's one I did not think of. My only thing would be like if Russell doesn't succeed in year one, could he come back in year two? Absolutely. I think the Yankees was a good one because that's that, the Yankees so and the Lakers. Winning. The Yankees, the Lakers, I think, are the two like probably franchises in each sport that are alive, have the most pressure. But I'm going to beat a dead horse here. It's going to be the Dallas Cowboys because of the I knew you were going there. Yeah. And I yelled this at the TV. It's the fans. They are going into this year. Like every year. All the intangibles that we've talked about, the easy schedule, the no improvements in the offseason, the is Zeke Zeke, is Dak Dak. It doesn't matter. What are the what are the fans going to expect, and what is Jerry Jones going to expect? It's because what Jerry Jones keeps selling. It's going to be a Super Bowl. It's Super Bowl or bust every so, year, every day, every Quin- day. Quincy Carter, Dave Campo, still it was Super Bowl or bust. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, that was just my way to work in a cowboy shot. There. Speaking of the Mannings, oh, we didn't even sh- we didn't even talk about. College teams that have an expectation to win. <laughs> oh, that's a whole other conversation. Um, in other headlines, the one that kind of dominated the news a couple days ago, RT Manning has decided to go to 40 Acres, go to Austin. To make Texas great again. Make Texas great again. Put them horns up. Oh, I can't even say horns right. I said horns. I tried saying it. Anyway. Um, I'm not going to do the finger thing. A couple things here. And I'll let the A&M guy kind of take over here because, you know, I'm a tech guy. I'm always the guy. You guys are still in the same division for three more years, dude. Calm down. Mm, I don't think it's going to be three years. I heard it was through 25. Joining the party next year for the new guys coming into the Big 12. But uh, for those of you that don't know, the team's coming to the Big 12 signed, and they will join in 2023. Um. So we got a couple things going on. We've got a packed QB room. And then is Texas actually improving? I will let you, Mr. Aggie, take over. I Start with the is Texas improving or the packed QB room? What do you want to start with? So I want to, I want to go from one to the other. And, and 
I'll state this first. Is Texas improving? Yes. They're, the amount of commitments they've had in the last three days since Archie Manning said what he said and made the commitment has been astounding. Um, they've had, well, like two or three, you know, four, four or five-star receivers, a couple offensive tackles or offensive linemen and some defensive players. Like their 2023 class, just like people are like, oh, shit, he's going there? I'm going. It was very much that like herd, herd mentality or mob mentality to commit. And I think a lot of these players are waiting for the pin to drop to make their decision. Now, that goes into – so, yes, they're improving that way. Packed QB room? Yeah, packed. Like, there's not any – it's standing room only. And do I think that Sarkeesian has the prowess to manage that effectively? Possibly. But he has about as much prowess as Kevin Sumlin did to manage his packed QB room, and we see how that turned out. So – NIL being what it is, you can transfer, no questions asked, no sit-out period now at least once. You have a lot of opportunity in the making to cultivate it, but if you overplant any sort of farm or any, you try to overplant seeds anywhere, nothing will grow. It'll essentially try to germate and kill each other before it even sprouts. And I think that's what's going to happen with Texas. They have almost too much shit in the ground right now to be able to cultivate anything of like productivity. That was my like agricultural Aggie piece coming out, you know, tried to blend those two together. Okay. So I do think it is a packed QB room. I don't know how Ewers and Manning stay there for a number of years. Yes. I, I, I did read a scenario where it's like maybe, you know, some people don't think Ewers may start this year, you know, and if he doesn't, I think he's gone. Now, if you were to start this year, Archie redshirts next year, it, it can work out. But I'm glad you brought up the Sumlin thing, you know, because you had Murray, Allen, who else all in that. And it just doesn't it doesn't work. Um, so I don't know. That's going to be interesting because that's like what I say for now. What I do see is I think Manning's name in the excitement has kind of put Ewers kind of in the back burner. And I would see him transferring before uh you know archie decides not to go to ut i think he's pretty set on it there was a lot of uh, crystal balls out there that were expecting this to happen now is texas actually improving i it, that's a hard one because we've seen this before we've seen the articles somebody tweeted it out you know charlie strong is bringing texas back to the promise days you know tom herman's going to turn things around until it actually happens now, this is where I go kind of on my rant could be the $13 whiskey. I think I've done – have I done the West Mantooth analogy before on the show? Not the rings a bell. Okay. Well, you know at the end where he says, I hate you, Ron Burgundy, but damn it, I respect you. And I see yes. your face, and yes. I know where you're going with this. Texas being a better football team – is better for the state of Texas. I it's hard to not, I hope things get going in the right direction. You know, I hated Nebraska. I hated Florida State. College football's better when they're better. Texas is the brand. Okay. It's like our barbecue. What we're going to say it's better than everyone's else. When Texas is actually proving that on the field, it's easier to say that Texas is a better football state. And I know this is going to be harder for you to swallow. Then for me, 
because you know the whole a and m thing but i, I kind of hope they do get the ball rolling in the right direction and in a couple of years i don't give a shit because i'm going to be in the pac 12 with the tech guys they're going to be in the sec with you only thing we're going to have a problem with is if we run to the playoffs and then it's going to be tech all day baby but you know, I, I kind of hope they do get the ball rolling because it's better as a brand in general. Disagree. Of course, you're gonna. There's no way. There's no way in your blood that you can. You're gonna tell me that you have a competitive A and M and a competitive Texas playing against each other, and it's not better at the end of the day for the state of Texas. No, because it's not about Texas being better. It's about teams in Texas winning championships. Mm. Okay, this is where we have to put into our realization of who we are. I'm not, I'm not, I am not trying to fade or not align or somehow like shade or shadow who I am. I'm petty as fuck. I don't want Texas to ever win. Okay, okay, okay. I'll leave it that. So if you ask me the same question, a competitive Texas Tech against a competitive Texas, and I'm not saying we're their equivalent at 500 teams, I'm talking about when they're, you know, Graham Harold days, Colt McCoy. That was a beautiful thing, you know, for all eyes on the state of Texas. That That's what I'm talking about. And I think that that makes it just better overall football. Now, yes, if you're talking about the little devil guy on my left shoulder that's saying I want Texas to not win a game. Yeah, of course, that's still there. You could argue. I could argue that pretty much any other day, any other team, the little devil on my shoulder doesn't get the megaphone but when you bring up texas like i absolutely fucking love love to turn on espn and see them talking about oh we thought texas is back or texas dropped another game it could be fucking water polo i want to see them lose and burn into the fucking ground that's unfortunate because they did win the rowing national championship this year uh Uh, that is so got it all right so let's Calm down a little bit. Cool off with a nice nose of our whiskey glasses. What the fuck are we drinking again tonight? Very, 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 very old Barton. There we go. Old Barton. So I'm going to give you my nose first. Sure. Honey, lemon, slight citrus. A little bit of like sugar, like sugar cane. It's very faint, though. Not a lot of oak or earthiness. Um Man, I'm not going to lie. As I'm sniffing this right now, my Fitbit just went off. You got my heart rate so high talking about Texas that I burned a few extra calories and got my goal for the day. Dude, while you're taking forever to give me all that bullshit on that nose, I Arizona was beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. But when you come back into the great state of Texas, and especially when it's the city of Houston. <sighs> Did your skin just suck in all the moisture you got off the plane because Arizona is so hot and Houston so humid? <laughs> The stars at night are big and bright. Dun, 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 dun. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so what was the nose? Because I can't wait to give you mine. B minus. I'm getting water. Open air. The inside of an empty shoebox. That one is true. That one is true. I'll give you that. And That's then like at glue. the very back, you know, I think I keep moving away from my mic as I say these things, but there's just not. This is this is a thirteen dollar nose. 
like you say honey and i'm like are we doing the same like nosing there is that ethanol was dripped on a barrel there back there somewhere you say ethanol that sounds offensive no this is this is i feel like i could run a 5k and they're gonna hand me this on the side of the road to throw down and keep refreshed this just smells like propel i mean it's it's very dude you remember propel did i just say propel have it do they make propel still yes oh shit i thought it was a thing of the past the, the, lim- the, le- the lemon on. was my favorite flavor the shoebox is dead on so what you're saying is cardboard with a little hint of glue yeah i'm gonna go see on all this right. one all right but for $13, remember, remember that. I We will get there. Okay. This will be our third dram. Do you concur, like my fifth sir? Tonight. Yes. Whiskey news. This is where my buddy Dix takes over, and he is on stage with the mic. It's where your buddy's dick takes over. Yep. Um, all right. So whiskey news. We got uh, two big things to call out here. You probably saw this on Instagram. If you follow any, like, you know, whiskey, hashtag whiskey on Instagram, or you follow us or you follow Jack Daniels. But Jack Daniels did just announced their 2022 Jack Daniels special release Koi Hill small batch. Um, the proof on this thing is 143.6 to 155.1. This is the highest proof offering of any bottle ever that Jack Daniels produced. It's only going to be able uh, be available rather in the White Rabbit Bottle Shop and limited Tennessee list liquor stores. There's a whole lot of like questioning of like is is this it? Like it's a smaller Jack Daniel Square bottle, so it's not the 750. This is like the 325, right? That's what it's going to be offered in. Um, this is a essentially an oh shit we messed up. We can't even like legally sell this outside of the state of Tennessee kind of situation. Super small batch, super rare. I think this is going to be a really, really hard find, number one. But when you talk about resale market, I think this is going to be like a fucking unicorn that you're going to see on shelves for two grand for this tiny ass bottle. So, yeah, you're not getting it. That's not even a question. My question turns more into the real world where you can imagine getting it. And we've talked about Koi Hill. It was good. So hot. Right. So do you even do you even is there an ounce of you in your body that's like, I really want to fucking try this? Oh yeah. No, I want to try it and say I tried it. Okay, yeah. try it. You're right. Okay. Would you am would I gonna you, enjoy it? No. Would well okay. So what would be your price range that was somebody was like, Dick, you have the golden ticket. How much? 100 bucks. Oh, really? For an even ounce. I was gonna say like 250. No, no, 100 bucks for an ounce. Well, that's an ounce. I wouldn't pay a hundred bucks for an ounce. You said two fifty. That'd be a two ounce pour, but you're getting it. For so that was a bottle. Oh, for the bottle. Oh yes. no, 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 no. You're not gonna. You're, this is gonna be. This is gonna be a thousand plus dollar bottle. I understand that, but if but you, you had if I want to get a pour, no, damn it. If you had the chance to buy the bottle, where would you cut it off at? Oh my bad. Uh, buck fifty. Okay. I don't well, believe in again, secondary market. You know this about me. Like if I then I'll just go, I'll just honestly go to a bar nineteen nineteen or somewhere weird in Tennessee if we get up there and you know we'll pay a hundred bucks for an ounce and say we tried it once. Speaking of random vacation spots, Louisville, Kentucky seems 
pretty random to me. That's not I fucking think, random. That is a whiskey lover's paradise. But would you put it up there with New York, Boston, Los Angeles, Miami? For a family vacation? Yeah. I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd take the family there. I, I'm just saying. We were talking about cheap, cheap trips earlier. Where you're oh, that's not going to be a cheap trip. That's going to be expensive. Heavy traffic. It's a different. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's going to be a different expensive trip. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there's going to be a lot of foot traffic into the distilleries. Yeah, that's true too. But I think it's all like 50 year old men and us. So, you know. yay. So, my question to you is every year we've had a special release, right? We had the 2021, which was the regular Koi Hill. Um, we got our hands, I got my hands on that. We had the 2020, which was the Jack Daniels single barrel barrel proof, right? So they're saying this is the 2022 limited release. Is this the only 2022 limited release we're getting? No, I think they do something like they did the rye. Uh, yeah, that they'll rye. do something. They'll do something to compete. They, you know, with the others, they're going to do something. So are we going to get a BTAC um, stag this year? That's the the hope and the dreams, you know, uh, to enter those raffles and see what we can do. And if not, at the end of the day, it's another pour at a good place that has the bottle, and it's just as delicious. What else you got there on the whiskey news, there, my man? So the only other thing of note, we talked already about the prohibition from Bushmills. Um, that is something I do want to pick up. We talked about that two episodes ago. The other kind of like <clears throat> show style whiskey is. Talk about Peaky Blinders. We did. We talked about that bottle coming out. I know. I haven't watched Peaky Blinders, so we're not going to talk about it yet. I fuck. I do wish I could talk about it. You want to ruin it, it for me? It was so good. Like it's turned into that show that if you like Yellowstone, if you say I don't like it, I don't know if I can trust you. Because there's, only, there's nothing. I've only watched like three episodes of the first season. I have to go back and start it all over again. Oh, you've got to learn about the picky fucking blinders. Maybe I'll go get the prohibition. I'll watch it. Because um, I did not get the prohibition, and it was still a good show because I drank a lot of early times. And uh, the old Forester that we had started with the Bourbon Matters. Uh, 1920, man. Such a solid bottle. So good. And it's interesting. 1920 takes place in the past. Peaky blinders in the past. If so, facto, perfect. Anyway, continue. About 50 plus years apart. But yes. Uh no. 1940-ish was Peaky Blinders? 1920s? Oh, I thought it was late 1800s. What, the Peaky Blinders? Yeah. No, there's a little throw-in of Adolf Hitler in this year. Oh, okay. It's easy to miss, but it's in there. Hmm. Interesting. Heard he was a pretty shitty guy. So... Always sunny in Philadelphia. That's where I was going with this. They are opening or they are releasing a whiskey or they just released a whiskey called Four Walls, which is intended to pay homage to the show, the three walls that the bar that they are often in and all of their antics kind of stem out of. And the fourth wall, which is the wall, proverbial wall between them and the audience watching the show itself. And it's a tie back to Patty's Pub where they obviously serve a lot of Irish whiskeys. From the research that Kurt was able to draw up for us, they're going to be have two primary offerings, basically a cheap one, like what, $40-some-dollars-ish, and then a, no? No, the $89 was the cheap option. Oh, the $89 is a cheap option. Okay. But then they're going to have a limited offering 
That's $999 for a 15-year single-barrel whiskey with a custom box that's signed by all the stars of the show or the four mains that are uh, or the three mains that are putting it together. Yeah. Glenn, Robin, so the, yeah. So the only thing that interests me about this one, well, first off, you have to mention that they're doing this in all proceeds for all the bottles go to Philadelphia uh, hospitality industry. So because they got this idea during COVID, bars were closed, restaurants were closing. So this is to give back, if so facto, offering bottles for like $999. The second thing that intrigues me, I've only had one other bottle that was a Philadelphia, not Philadelphia, Pennsylvania rye, which this $89 is going to be. It's Irish whiskey. Blend. It's a blend of Irish whiskey and a Pennsylvania rye. The only other Pennsylvania rye that I've had, I believe, um, was that Rittenhouse, which was not bad. So maybe for $89, Irish whiskey, Pennsylvania rye, you love the show. I don't know. I don't know your history. I'm if I said I was a big Always Sunny fan, I'd be lying. I've only seen a handful of episodes. I don't, but I'm I could possibly see myself working over the money for this. I've never sat down and watched Always Sunny end to end, but I've seen probably two dozen episodes. I've never sat down and watched him like this sucks. Like it's always entertaining. Um, it's just some of the some of the stuff is just so out there for me. Like it ties back to like the people they run into and always sunny fans are going to kick my ass for not knowing who they are. Um, but it's like a brother and sister and they're like really dirty and they've got like these like oily ass faces and just like every Danny DeVito situation that he gets himself into. It's just, I don't know. It's fucking hilarious. Would you pay 89 for the bottle? Maybe. And it's not even because it's, of the, the situation, not even because it's going to the Pennsylvania or the Philadelphia server industry or whatever. But I don't know another whiskey that's offering a blend like that. That is true. And that was the one thing you saw on the Instagram where they asked me, how was the Delbach whiskey? It was good. But what was more cool about it was the uniqueness because it was a mesquite. And you know, I don't want to talk about too much because we've agreed we're going to buy a bottle and we will review it. Yeah. But it was the uniqueness of the fact that they were doing a mesquite thing that it tasted like nothing I had had. Now, I know there is a company, and I apologize for not knowing the name of it, around our area down in Corpus Christi nearby that does something very similar, but I never tasted it. So I can't say if they were similar or not. But yeah, I think the uniqueness of Irish whiskey, Pennsylvania rye, if so facto, and you see it on the shelf, I guarantee you my little heart would go, oh, look at that. There it is. I'll get it. And that that would solve the problem. Yeah, I'm only going to buy the $999 version. So, Oh, you're so fancy. That's why you want to move to Austin where the University of Texas is. Anyway, uh, do we go ahead and dive into the palette of this... Uh, the paleta? Hey, let's do that. Yes. <laughs> Honey, lemon, slight mint, a little bit of barrel spice, but it's all very faint. Like, I think if you think about your 86 proofers, you have to keep that in mind here. Like, it's not going to be overly 
tasteful, but there's nothing there's nothing offensive about any of this. Like that's really going to go into my final rating here, but I don't taste anything I don't like. You don't taste anything you don't like, meaning you give it a what as a rating? B minus. Okay. The, t- the palate has a little bit more to give than the nose. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Which means if it gave anything at all, it would be giving something more than the nose. I do get the lemon. Little bit of lemon. What I'm starting to think, though, where the benefit of this glass is because it has some oak whiskey taste and some lemon taste, very easy to throw into a cocktail and say there's whiskey in there. But I'll save that for my overall. I I will go B minus on the taste because this is very newbie friendly. You know, there's not much of a hi after you take a sip. If that gave you the best description of what I'm going for. Uh, but yeah, I'll go ahead and go B minus. All right, we're in lockstep there. So with that being said, let's go ahead and get into our fourth dram. And this is where we get a little bit ahead of ourselves. I think we're what, 80, no, like 60 something days toward football preseason ish, you know, training camps about to kick off and Oxnard for the Cowboys. That always kind of signals local news for me when shit's happening. Um, Deshaun Watson's probably going to get suspended for the year. So, you know, we're getting that kind of news, which is entertaining. So, Kurt, go ahead and tell the listeners what we're going to be doing tonight. Great. So, we're going to keep it simple. Okay? We're going to break them down. We've got so many days till kickoff. We've got so many recordings. So, what we're going to do is we're going to break down the divisions two at a time. And we're going to keep it simple by giving you Basically, our overall thoughts, what our final standing at the end of the year will be for the division, and then the player to watch, not the player that's going to be the most explosive and best one, but the one that most intrigues us for the upcoming year. All right. So we're going to keep it simple in that format. Um, before we do get going, you've talked about training camps. I'm 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 going to take my boys and I'm going to go see the Houston Texans training camp this year. I just want to throw that out there right now. I will be at Texas training camp this year so we can get a, you know, little access to uh, what's the year going to provide for us and to get my hopes up or not. So anyway, uh, you're going to get your hopes up. I'm going to get so fucking pumped up and be like, Houston, Texas. AFC, NFC West is what we're starting with. Is it because those may be the easiest to talk about? Maybe, maybe not, but We will start with the AFC West. There is a lot going on. Some people are calling it the most competitive division in football. You've got the Los Angeles Chargers, the Denver Broncos, the Las Vegas Raiders, and the Kansas City Chiefs. A couple storylines. Mac has a new home with the Chargers. Tyreek Hill is no longer the best buddy of Pat Mahomes. Las Vegas got a pretty decent wide receiver. And, oh, by the way, some guy's the new starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos. With that said, Dick, overall thoughts looking forward to for the AFC West this year? 
Dude, I, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head, right? There's so many changes within that division that it's going to be unpredictable. Yet there's so much talent that you can't help but think it's going to be fun to watch, right? Especially the div- interdivisional matchups. Um, if you think about like where the storyline is really going to play out, I think you're going to have a lot of play in that Las Vegas LA matchup. Those two games this year, I think, are going to decide, much like they did last year, how the division shakes up. I agree. Now, when it comes to the final standings, because that was the kind of thing, the player to watch is kind of what we're looking forward to as the year gets going. The final standing is like kind of what we think the year's going to end like. So we got a beginning okay. and the end. This was the hardest one to put together. Not going to lie. This one was the hardest one to put together because it's, it's you coin literally, flip. right, you have so many intangibles here. Is, you know, what's Mahomes going to look like without Tyreek Hill, but still has Travis Kelsey? Does Khalil Mack, is he that big of a difference maker? But I think it's if also the fact that Herbert's going to have another year to grow in the leaps and bounds that he made last year. Las Vegas, I don't know if Devontae Adams is that game changer. I don't know how competitive they're going to be or if they're just going to have the cool uniforms and stadiums as usual. And then finally, Russell Wilson, did they do other things that are going to make them competitive? Is he the difference maker there? So very interesting division to watch. With that said, let's just go ahead and start with Let's go beginning. Player to watch. Who has your eye this year? Who are you watching the most? Maybe he's your fantasy pick. Maybe he's the guy that you're like, he's a difference maker. Go. Devontae Adams. Like, plain and simple. Um, I think he's going to be the difference maker for the, the Raiders. Uh, I think they really struggled last year with targets outside of Waller. Uh, to and Well, Renfro is like a slot guy, right? So he's not going to be the biggest difference. But your deep threat has got to be Adams. Like, Carr is overly ecstatic about having on the team. They already have a solid defense. I think he's one of their missing links. Um, and, you know, another year of maturation, maybe some coaching stability, um, less drama in the actual locker room themselves. They find to really start to find their groove. So, yeah, Devontae Adams, like full transparency, if he's sitting on the board, he's going to be my number one receiver off the board. Good to know. I got to cheat this uh, segment of the show. I picked first, so of course I got to go with Russell Wilson. Uh, as you alluded to earlier, he's the new guy in Denver. Is he going to have the same success as Peyton Manning? Usually the Broncos have been known to bring in you know, experienced quarterbacks, a.k.a. Plummer, uh, oh, Manning, man, Jake the Snake, yeah, and they do good things. I don't know the pressure's there, like you alluded to. I don't know if they're the most, you know, team with the most pressure, but it's there. Um, but we will we'll all have an eye on them just for the fact that he's brought a buzz to 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 Denver that hasn't been there for a while because you've had Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. So we will be watching them. Now, I will go ahead and take this as a chance to give you my final standings that I'm predicting. In terms of Devontae Adams, I think he absolutely makes the Raiders better, and I think he's going to be Carr's go-to guy, obviously. He'd be my go-to guy if I was the quarterback of the Raiders. Anybody's go-to guy would be Devontae Adams. I don't necessarily think that that makes them better. I think that makes them competitive in that division. So I still have them as fourth. I think the Broncos still need to add some key parts to Russell 
once again, they're kind of in the area of the Raiders where I think they are now par with the rest of the division. I don't think they are the best team in the division. So I think they will finish third. Chargers and Kansas City. How much of a drop-off does Kansas City take after Tyreek Hill? I think that they take a pretty decent one. I think he was a big key factor to their offense. I also think that Kansas City's going against time. These players are getting older, not necessarily Mahomes, but Kelsey's the same age as Gronkowski. Uh, are drafted. I'm sorry. They were drafted the same year, I believe. Are very similar. Anyway. L.A. looks good. Khalil Mack, Herbert growing another year, a running back that is a beast. I think they're going to take a big stride. I think they take the division this year. All right. I'm going to disagree with you on a couple of those points. Um, not that I don't think I can't, it can't happen, but I'm going to put my, my bets my, on, my, on different ponies. I'm going to say KC takes the biggest drop here. I really feel like Tyreek was his bailout guy. Mahomes is bail guy, bailout guy. And I love Mahomes. That defense has not ever been impressive. We know that. Um, and you talk, start talking about these other offensive weapons within the other organizations. That's something Casey's going to have to compete with. Um, I don't know that Mahomes can continue to bring some Mahomes magic when they're not giving him pieces to bail him out. It's a very similar situation, in my opinion, to Lamar Jackson. The so there that's my number four. My number three is going to be Denver. Um, I don't think Russell Wilson is the missing piece. I think there's a lot of pressure on that team. I don't know they're going to gel day one. I don't know that they have the rest of the offensive weapons to put that together. Just leave it there. Chargers are going to be number two, and Vegas is going to be number one. To your point, Chargers are going to be a force to be reckoned with. Herbert is a handful. I think people maybe have two years to kind of get a beat on him, much like they did with starting starting Mahomes right after like year three or four. They can start to you know feel him out a little bit and not necessarily stop him, but slow him down. Um, and Herbert is, I think, very much in the same situation. He's on year three now, right? This will be year three. So maybe they've got enough film on him to at least start to slow him down, you know, spy him, get some defensive end pressure, but not necessarily uh, collapse a pocket where he can escape. And I'm going to give Las Vegas the edge here. I'm going to say they have the defense. They've got Adams. They've got Waller. They've got Renfro. Like Carr is poised to make an impact. And I think if they can really settle it down, and to your point earlier, if they can keep the buzz in the stadium and off the streets and everybody can stay clean and out of jail, they can probably have a good run this year. Okay. So you took the most competitive division, in my opinion, and you even were able to make some controversy out of that. I I think I'm more shocked at you saying Vegas wins the division than I am you saying Kansas City is going to have that big of a drop-off. Both of those are question marks in my eye. I don't yeah, I bet think big. Kansas City. I bet big. Right. But if Kansas City were to fall off that much, eh, okay. I don't but you saying Devonte Adams is going to kick all of them, and I know that last game of the year, year the classic where Las Vegas and LA went into overtime and the kick and all that. I don't know. I don't know. That's that's a big if for me. I think, like I said, Adams does things, but I think the strides the Chargers can make, 
I think that's going to be more of an impact than what Devontae Adams has with the Raiders. But that's why we have these conversations. So there you have it. I have all I, the all I know is that December 4th, I want to be in one place. I want to be in Vegas and I want to watch the Chargers and the Raiders play. December 4th. Put it on the calendar. Uh I just want you to go to the Texans Cowboys game. That'd be cool. Um all right, so there you have it. To round up the AFC West, I have the final standings at the end of the year. Chargers, Chiefs, Broncos, Raiders. Dick has Raiders, Chargers, Broncos, Chiefs. Players to watch this year for us are Russell Wilson and Devontae Adams. Wow, Shaka. Okay, NFC West. We're going to do the whole West and West thing, AFC, NFC, jump conferences. You have the returning champions Los Angeles Rams you have the Arizona Cardinals who have a drama thing going on with their quarterback or they don't have a drama thing going on you have the San Francisco who's going to be my quarterback this year 49ers and you have the Seattle we don't have a quarterback Seahawks Dick I mean chime in I mean, we can look at the lineup here, right? I know who you picked. You know how I picked. And I, I feel like the, probably the West was probably the more controversial of the two. Um, I think we're both in agreement. LA is number one, right? Yes. Okay. Like, there's no question they're going to repeat, at least the division. Um, and we think we both have Seattle number four because they don't have a quarterback. Okay. So let me throw something at you here which I've said for the third time today, getting Baker Mayfield, does that change that at all? I think they win more games. I don't think that changes their position in the division. It does for me. I think if Seattle gets a Baker Mayfield, I think they can possibly, yes. But that also has to do with our players to watch. Yeah. Let's and, start with our players to watch, and then we'll talk about that. I have, with all the drama and the potential of this team needing to make, you know, they need to do something for Kingsbury to keep his job. Uh, they're kind of in that bubble situation. This was the team last year that we talked about where I said they were a no. playoff team. You said that they were like a Super Bowl team. It turned out that I was more right than you as usual. But this is that year where they've got to do something or there's going to be huge changes. I'm watching Kyler Murray to see, was this drama really necessary? Was it all born out of proportion? I mean, I, I think the guys had a short career to where it's too early to have some sort of drama, but Hey, that's the new thing these days. So yeah, I'm watching Murray. I'm going to see how that team does. He has some new weapons over there. He has a stacked wide receiver room which will be without DeAndre Hopkins for a couple of weeks because he did some kind of thing. Uh, so, yeah, who, your player to watch goes back to how well the San Francisco 49ers season goes, and that would be Trey Lance. I feel like if Trey Lance starts and they get him in a groove, they have an opportunity to be the number two team in that division ousting Arizona. We've seen what Arizona can do with the fully loaded offense. Um, they started 8-0 and then fell apart. Um, I'm looking more about what have you done for me lately. I don't know that they can replicate an 8-0 run. Um, 
and San Francisco has more X factors, maybe for better or for worse, but I'm going to bet on the unknown rather than betting on a unproven known. Got it. And San Francisco retains, like, when they're good, it's just so simple. We're going to yes. run the ball and we're going to win the games. Is now, Frank they, Gore still playing? No, he did retire after 55 years. But <laughs> uh, San Francisco did lose their offensive coordinator, who is now the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. I don't know how much that's going to change anything uh, because, you know, Kyle Shanahan is still there. Kyle Shanahan. But, yeah. So Baker may I think San Francisco and Seattle are close enough to where I think a Baker Mayfield and of course Trey Lance's progression and how well he does they're they're battling for those three and four spots in my eyes. So I have the Rams. I don't say I don't think they will necessarily repeat because we've talked about how hard that is and everything that goes into that. I have them winning the division. I have Arizona second. I have. San Francisco right now, I'm betting on Trey Lance having a decent year. Seattle not getting Mayfield as of yet. Third, and I have Seattle fourth. And I have the same run. I just have, not the same, but I have San Francisco and Arizona flop. So LA, San Francisco, Arizona, Seattle. Good deal. All right. So those were the first two divisions that we previewed the AFC West, the NFC West, and we will do two divisions until kickoff on each upcoming episode. I love it. Now, what I do or do not love is this glass. So let's talk about it in the rating of what's in our glass tonight. Sounds good, man. So I'll give you my thoughts, but I'm not going to give you my rating until you give me your rating and then I'll double back. The nose is faint. We've established that. I hunted for some smells. I did find them. They are there. You have to hunt. You know what you're looking for. The taste is a bit more expressive. The overall pour itself is not offensive in any way, in my opinion. Um, When you talk about comparable $13 whiskeys, $15 whiskeys, that sub 20 category, this competes very well against an Evan Williams bottled and bond. Um, Evan Williams bottled and bond is a little bit more definitive in his taste because it's a hundred proof, but this is a $13 86 proof whiskey. I think your call out, and I don't want to sell your thunder here at all. I'm mean, about it being excellent. Like not necessarily an old fashioned whiskey, but a cocktail whiskey, like something I can get my wife to drink without her. Like, Oh shit. This is like whiskey. Like that's cause she's a vodka girl. Like, this is something you could easily splash into there. Get yourself a little flavor. Get yourself some whiskey going. But it's not defining the cocktail, if that makes sense. I like it. Um, so, yeah, you want, like, with all that said, my rating first, correct? Well, I mean, anything else you want to add before you give me a rating, and then I'll give you mine. Um. It's not impressive, but for what you can do with it, you can show up to a place, you can put it on the table and say, this is a whiskey. It's one of the better glass screw top combos I've seen. Uh, $13. Mix it, drink it, shoot it all you want. Would you say that this is probably bottom barrel? (laughs) Like at a bar? Would you expect, like, if they pulled this out, would you be surprised when you just said, like, give me the 
house the well whiskey. whiskey. Yeah. Uh, I would be surprised. I think it's, I think the well whiskey is always going to be like a Jack Daniels or something like that. Like, yeah. I mean, if you go to a nice bar, maybe. The nose was offensive. The, the palate was not. The nose was offensive? Yeah. You said there was nothing to smell. Well, I'm saying like it, I didn't like it. Yeah, but offensive means like there were some bad Okay, smells. no, it didn't smell like dirty socks, but it just, I didn't, okay, I, I, I didn't like it. Um, but $13, put it in a glass, show up with it, tell newbies this is a fancy whiskey without them actually knowing. Meh. C plus. I would take the, I would take the Evan Williams and the. Early times doesn't get the, it doesn't get the planes. It doesn't. It's not thirteen bucks. Yeah, but it's a one liter for twenty. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't play in the same box. This is like okay. mellow corn. This is comparable. Evan Williams bottled and bond is comparable. Okay, so I would take I would take the Evan Williams all day, every day on this one. All right, I, I would agree with that. I want to give this a B plus because I think. Please do tell. Evan Williams is definitive, right? So like, it has a taste which I enjoy, but some people don't. It's like very nutty, you know. It's 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 a it's a vibe. Um, it's not like one of those cool kids nowadays. But I think very old bar. No cap, bro. No cap on God. Yeah, I don't know what that means, but sure. Uh, I honestly don't know what that means, and I really don't care to know. The, uh, I really I don't essentially, care. I I essentially said no lie. You promise. Yeah, I promise. Sure. This right here, I'm holding it up, is an excellent candidate for your decanter. What's your decanter to you? High-end stuff? Oh, that's high-end, dude. I don't want everybody to come over. Like someone's like, hey, can I get a whiskey? And they come to my bar. My poor, I'm like, the house whiskey is like in the decanter because it looks fancy. Right now, it's Emily's Bottled and Bond. I'm not saying this replaces it, but I'm pouring this in after it. Just like, oh, just try this. You know, like I'm not pulling up Buffalo Trace for anybody. I'm sorry. You've run a really like whiskey, or at least not even at this a- point, like to where we've had the 50, 60, 70, 80, no, 90, 110, so- 120. No, because I talk about like it's a, I like to drink every night. That's my nightly sipper. When- okay, well, okay, I've put Zazrak Rye in my decanter because I don't I do want people to, to have good whiskey, even if they're sure. just trying it. Sure, and I'm all about that. People come over and say, Hey. Do you have any Buffalo Trace? You know what it is by name? Sure. If you're like, oh, like I've got a couple of friends that come over and they're like, oh, yeah, I'll take a, you know, I'll take an old fashioned. I'm like, okay, what do you want your old fashioned? Jack. And I'm like, I don't have Jack. And I'm not putting Jack in an old fashioned. Or can I get a Jack and Coke? I'm like, I'll give you a whiskey Coke. And I just pour the Evan Williams bottle and bond in there. This would pair very well. It's not very nicely with Coke. That's the thing. This would pair nicely with water. There's, there's not, there's not a lot. You know what this is a good candidate for? Taking your Yeti to the river, pouring ice in it, and then pouring this in there. And then if you drop it into the river and some water gets in it, which this is sad. This is the second time I've used this as a description. It wouldn't be offensive at all. You're such a fucking hater. Hold on. Let me try this one more time. Hold on. Hold on. Let me try. Oh, you know what? That nose is phenomenal. Because you just poured early times bottled and bottled. Oh my gosh, I'm getting blackberries and cherries on the taste. And oh, 
Oh yeah, that is early times. Baldwin Bach. So good. So so good. Asshole. All right. So we have a C plus and a B plus. Different reasons, but respected. Sure. All right. So would they, you buy it again? Um ooh, that goes back to our occasion conversation. If I'm going to a wedding after party, would you buy it to drink at your house? No, no, no. This will be the only bottle. All right. Fair enough. Probably for me too. Because I'm going to walk in and grab the Evan Williams if I can't. Early times. Yeah. Maker's Mark, Buffalo Trace. Maker's Mark isn't expensive, man. Uh, Buffalo Trace ain't ever cheap. Yeah. Well, those days of $30 handles are gone. Even like a, there's, uh, Texas whiskeys for the 20 range, maybe. I don't know. You're like, it's hard for me to get into trying different Texas whiskeys at that price range. So I'm like, fuck, those by Buffalo Trace. Like, yeah, I've got to know what I like. And it's really hard for me to sit there and gamble $60, $70 on an unknown. When Buffalo Trace is sitting there right next to it, I'm like, ah, fuck it. So if you want to get very, like, a, a little bottle of TX. Like the little bum bottle is eighteen dollars. No, but I've had TX and like I don't really think it's that great, especially right, the but you price were saying point. grabbing this again. Like I would grab the bum bottles for seventeen, eighteen dollars over like this. Oh, I disagree. Yeah, well, that's what we usually do. Yeah. So let's get over that goal line. Let's do it. Okay, we talked champions. We talked Stanley Cup, NBA championship. We talked about Archie Manning going to the 40 acres. We talked whiskey news, and we talked about our first uh, two divisional breakdowns. So, Dick, can you give the listeners one more time where they can listen to all that? Of course, Kurt. So, all right, Dramers, big thing is to make sure you're following us on Instagram. That's at 4THDRAM. From that Instagram page, you can find our link tree which has our link to our uh, our website as well as all of our other social medias to include streaming our podcast episodes straight from the link tree. But you can always find us on Spotify, YouTube, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. Make sure you're liking, subscribing to us, telling your friends about us so that we can help grow the show. And then if you have any questions at all, just send us an email, fourthdramandgoal at gmail.com. We're happy to field your questions, bring them onto the show, and you know, possibly give you a shout out as well for that. So we love the ideas. We love the feedback. Keep it coming. And with that, Kurt, I think we can go ahead and saunter on over to the quote of the episode. I'm in a sauntering mood tonight. Yes, sir. So because we talked about the Rams, we can use the great Ram, the Deacon Jones. One time he said, there are all kinds of smiles on the football field. I mostly use the one where the hawk spots the dove. As in in life, when you see something, you've got to have a little evil edge to it to go get it. Go after it. Be that guy. But strike fast. So with that said, Either have nightmares or have drinks for all I care. But to the next snap and the next dram. Drink on, drammers. Did that make sense? Yeah, sort of. Who's your favorite ram of all time? I want to 
Marshall. Say Marshall. Fuck yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yes, that's the right answer. Did we just become best friends? I think we did.